Hello, Barnaby here, and welcome to part two of Legal 500 Podcast's discussion of social mobility and the law. In the second instalment, our guests, David Ampow, Polly Richard, and Prisca Wharton, continue their discussion of challenges they face during their legal careers with regards to social mobility, and the conversation then turns to developments and efforts currently being made in the legal community to promote social mobility and inclusion. I hope you enjoy. I think one thing, if I, if I may, just a, just a final point for me on, on this one is that, again, we talk about barriers and issues in, in, encountered, um, and I think we've covered a, a, a good range of them. And you know, One of the things I'll say is, is, is around, and maybe this is linked to being sort of true to myself and, and background, and I, I, I sort of think I mentioned um, making sure the drawbridge is down so that those with the, with the talent and, and drive um, get an opportunity and beckoning those people through the door doors. I, I think there's a lot of, and I think people from underrepresented backgrounds generally have paid what I call almost like a tax of of of, of paying it back. In that, um, it's a good tax to pay, right? Mm-hmm. In that, in that, I think you know our experiences and background give us just an insight, um, maybe that others just don't, just won't, won't have. And I think that's useful for. Um, generations and, and others um, and contemporaries frankly and, and you know people coming through but it does actually take a lot of time um, it does actually often involves going back to some moments which might be triggering or emotionally difficult um, that you that you're being asked to share your story and you see the value in doing so but again because of the way that big law finds itself in terms of um, the social mobility, or, or, or not being as socially diverse as I think we, we would like, we would like it to be, that you're asked to tell that story a number of times, and that's quite draining because it's you're, you're talking about something that can be quite personal. Now I'm not, I'm not, I think you get the world's smallest violin out for me, really, but and, and I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy in that respect, but I do think that there's there's a few people who who choose from 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 socially kind of mobile backgrounds, you maybe choose not to engage in the way that we are today in this podcast. Hopefully people will learn something from this podcast or, or go away and have some thoughts around life. I, kn- I know a lot of people who will hide their background for a number of reasons, um, some to do with, you think, what we've covered in terms of, um, you know, perceptions and whatnot and how that feeds into kind of career capital, but also some from a, almost from a self-preservation perspective in that, maybe having to revisit things that they might feel uncomfortable with or or they don't want to portray and I think it's to your point Polly and you know my folks worked just amazingly amazingly hard and did all they could really it was always food on the table the lights were always on it was it was I mean they did amazing amount with it with very little so you don't want to paint a picture of oh well you know you know, if it's not the case that oh, you know, parents kind of cast me to the wayside, or guardian cast me, to, or whoever it, whoever it was, it's not always like that. People have their different stories, but I think, you know, there's there's a few people who spend quite a lot of time in paying it back, um, and that can be a toll in itself. When again, the kind of job is hard enough in itself of winning and servicing clients and operating in a in a kind of a high octane um, environment. But I thought I'd just throw that in there as is that a barrier? I'm not sure it's necessarily a barrier, but I often reflect that perhaps it's a, it's a, and it's a diversion, the right word. Maybe it's a diversion that, that others maybe don't have or don't accept. And so maybe they're able to 
employ their energies in in slightly different ways or in building that kind of core career capital I don't know but it's one that I often I often ponder in that um, I look at how much time and, and effort I've spent rightfully and I'm happy with doing it and I, I, I frankly I'd love to do it but my future career um, in terms of promoting a much more socially diverse workforce um, being having promoting an inclusive environment etc but and others who are not so engaged, what is it that they're doing or passionate about in work that you know, maybe fills that fills that time? I don't know. Just 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 one for just one for discussion, maybe. Can I throw a grenade into the mix? I'm interested in your views as to whether you think everyone buys into this in terms of um, do you think everybody in law firms buys into the social mobility agenda and actually is rooting for it or do you think there's still some scepticism about it? I think it's different understandings of what social mobility is and, and it's a cultural thing as well um, and different different countries seem to have different experiences of social mobility and different different reasons that so one thing I'm, I'm I've become more aware of is um around accent bias we that's very much a thing in the UK but not necessarily elsewhere so say stateside much less of a thing um so it's sort of for me it's a thinking about it globally and how the concept of social mobility changes Mm. um and I do worry I don't want social mobility to become a tick box for companies not not just law firms companies to say right well we've got five out of 20 in this intake that are from a less socially mobile background so tick tick it really need it's more than that it's it's the progression um through companies and, and law firms as you say sort of the soft skills the the network that one carries through their careers and how does that affect their progression? Who are their mentors? But yeah, I, I think social mobility is, um, I've never really come across scepticism, but possibly there, it's a sort of, it, it's not a term that was thrown around that much until fairly recently. Perhaps there's a concept of, well, what really is that? It's quite a nebulous term with different interpretations by different people and I do wonder are we all talking about the same thing because it is a different experience for all and all are all are real all experiences are real so when I talk about social mobility that for me is sort of definitely coming down to financial hardship resource hardship um, and, and that kind of thing but for someone else that could be something completely different um or, or more of a focus on accent bias as you say yeah i mean I, I think it's a really good question polly and uh, um yeah and i'll be I'll, I'll, I'll be you know we are adding to the to the voices that are out there in in terms of this debate around social mobility and i think you know we're, we're trying to provide our own own perspectives and this is often a question that that sort of rumbles along in the background that people don't necessarily answer in a, in a candid way and i'll be candid i think you know if, if you're looking at if you're looking at, and, I, and I'll be very general here, if you're looking at inclusion and, and diversity sort of generally, is do you see scepticism? Yes, you do see scepticism because, you know, even though, you know, I think largely, particularly larger law firms are 
are a, a long way to, are a longer way down in terms of their discourse and understanding and level of sophistication. People are on a journey around the benefits of having a diverse workforce, and that is diverse under any kind of under under any marker. Um, then you know, I, I'm amazed that sometimes I, I go to a presentation or a meeting and people are going back to the beginning as to the the benefits of having a diverse workforce um, and having to explain the benefits of that, particularly in this type of environment or a law firm environment. I guess we've all probably existed in in talking about and thinking about social mobility in a way that means that it's, it's often a, well, to me, it's a no-brainer, right? If you're looking at risk and risk management and you're looking at making sure that you're looking at problems, problem solving, risk allocation from the perspective which best serves your client well you want as many eyes and ears as sensible or efficient to help with that exercise and sometimes that means looking at things from different perspectives of different groups from different um you know characteristics it just means that you, you can give better advice to my mind or, or you can you can generate better or more more ideas if you have that and i think um social mobility is a is a plays a huge huge part in that in terms of the diversity of experiences which um feed into the kind of diversity of thought which feed into some of the solutions that we are crafting um crafting for clients so i think it's a no-brainer but you go into some context and, and and actually it's people are still well no we just give the job to the uh, to the best person, whatever that means, right? And so, which reinforces a lot of the, the structural um, biases that we see and a lot of the outcomes that that we see. So that was my first observation. I guess the second observation is that if you're trying to do anything which changes or, or alters the status quo, then I think you are going to have groups who feel threatened by that. And so your approach to doing that has to be... Um, you know, has to be tailored, has to be careful in some in some forum for us. Sometimes I think we need the carrot and sometimes you need the stick, frankly, in, in this in, in, in this world. But yeah, ab- absolutely that you know, in some contexts and you you know you read below the line in a number of newspapers and you'll and you'll see around, for example, the efforts that some of our educational institutions are making around um ensuring that they have um a much more diverse intake and trying to identify potential rather than you know polish or or someone's been put through a machine to to kind of get to the answers that were traditionally the pathway to um, a particular university or opportunity really trying to distill still that and be confident enough in their own environments to develop people from um socially diverse backgrounds underrepresented groups um at a rate and at a trajectory which reflects that you know, they may not have been given as much resource or had access to as much resource and, and the options that others may have had. But you look, you read below the line and some of the some of the commentary is just, you know, it's mind boggling. But I have no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, I think we as lawyers often think that we um, are, are particularly special. But I think with some of the some of the things that we experience or see and, and the kind of wide range of well, the diversity of the, of, uh, frankly, that there's a diversity of views really around how we should 
how we should promote social mobility in firms and how does that affect me or how does that affect my son or daughter who's at X school that yes I've worked hard to put them in that school and will they be disadvantaged because someone from a school with less resource etc cetera, etc cetera, is now being given a shot which they weren't given a shot earlier 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 in earlier years so I, I'm I, I think I think the answer to your question is that um that larger law firms are doing a lot I think there's a lot not just larger law firms I think there's, there's there's a number of law firms doing huge doing a huge amount but I think with anything that you're trying to change there will be pockets of resistance um because there will be the short termists will say well it might not necessarily suit my direct interest but I think it has to be better particularly for the legal profession to have um practitioners who are much more reflective of of society over overall and I think again going to client solutions I think it's just going to be better for client solutions to have you know less groupthink and just more diverse ideas and, and problem solving. I'm sold. <laughs> I think this um, has we sort of lent very well now into um, segued very well into talking about um, I suppose what can be done moving forward to, to broaden access um, to the legal profession and I think it's very worthwhile to, to discuss exactly that, whether whether some firms and some people within firms are genuinely committed to it. So I suppose a, a final point to reflect on maybe for, for the three of you would be what you think can be done moving forward um, to broaden access to legal profession, as well as, I suppose, what initiatives and broader efforts that you see or you're involved in at the moment that you think uh, are worthwhile? For me, we have done lots in the access space. So by that, I mean the sort of getting in. So how do we widen the pool of candidates who come through our doors for training contracts, vacation schemes, etc. cetera? Um, so that spans from contextualizing CVs. So you, for example, take a look at the school and if that school is a low performing school, it, it, you contextualize their grades. So in, in effect, it boosts their grades up. There's also lots of great organisations out there who lots of law firms, including ourselves, pair up with to assist with with that. Um, so so for me, I'm not saying access is is, you know, tick the box and move on. But access is 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 one part. But then what do you do if you improve access? Then what do you do when people are actually inside law firms? And for me, so much effort has, has gone into the getting in bit. I'm quite interested and invested in the getting on bit because you get all of these students in from um, less typical backgrounds and then you need to give them the tools to actually thrive um, in their careers. So it's the getting on bit that I'm particularly um, interested in driving forward and looking at. And I think some of the keys for for getting on um, in a law firm are, are kind of things we've already talked about so role models I think are really important you know there's that quote you've got to see it to believe it um I think creating internal networks is really important which is why why we've set up a social mobility network group because actually sometimes you might feel like you're a minority but actually if you know that there's a network group of um you know x hundred people who actually are also from a, a less typical background um, then already you feel more included. You're a part of your 
your own community and network. And I think also being able to to have conversations with people about social mobility. I've always thought social mobility has been a bit a bit of an elephant in the room in law firms. I think I think you know certain diversity strands, um, of course, are all important, but they they have had um, probably more momentum. And and social mobility has such a layering sort of intersectional impact with those other diversity strands, and no one's ever really called it out for what it is. So I feel like actually having conversations about social mobility, calling it what it is, is also really important. I agree with that, Polly. I think if you work on if you work on the core of social mobility, um, I I I like to think inclusion and diversity, as David puts it, which I do. Re- I really like it that way around. Actually, I, I'd never thought of it like that. I think it follows, and it is it is an entirely separate kind of issue. I I do a lot with the with the law society, um, separate separate to my role at White and Case as a social mobility ambassador, and probably one of the things. I like the most about that role and actually now um, you know I work with Wise and Case on on certain points of access but working with people from less socio-economic you know more disadvantaged backgrounds um, and mentoring them I really really enjoy that role and I just but I can't help but think it you know I wish I could reach everyone and that that's one thing that sort of I do think about quite a lot. I think more. I, I, we do do a lot on access. We, we across the board. I think in law, I would like to see more on progression and the longer term sort of things that stay with you from a less, a more disadvantaged, a disadvantaged background. I'd like to sort of further studies to be done on that. I have some seen some come out recently. I think one with KPMG came out in December. Social mobility was the biggest hindrance above gender and ethnicity to um, progression, career progression. Um, I've not, um, I've not looked into it in great detail yet. It's on my uh, on my list, um, but I thought that that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if anyone else saw that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, I think both of you covered, I think fundamentally, if you solve for social mobility, I think you solve for so many of the, well, you solve for a large part of, of what I think is becoming a business critical issue beyond sort of fairness, right? Beyond beyond fairness and equity in society. And, and there are all sorts of reasons why we should be promoting that. So everyone, you know, regardless of, of background, has a stake in society, anyone able um, to um, to to pursue a particular career, a particular skill set, has a stake and has an opportunity to do that. There are there are there are wider reasons why we should be doing that. But from a from a from a business critical yeah. perspective, all the things that we talked about around, you know, making sure that we've got the right eyes and ears looking at problems and and, and whatnot. Um, you know, a lot of that will come through better social mobility in the profession because, you know, look, you know, I I have seen I me mean, being candid in 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 strategies of certain law firms um, or in the in, in the in in the in the legal industry, that it's actually pretty easy. Taking my example, you know, it's pretty easy to find, um, uh, you know, a, an ambassador, a, an ambassador's son or daughter, right, um, from um, uh, uh, from a particular group that you might be 
um, focusing on and then sort of say, well, I've ticked that box for race and ethnicity, right? When when actually that person um, experiences and, and and whatnot will be valuable, will absolutely be valuable. Um, because as I say, this is not about, this is about a diversity within itself, a diversity of experience. So there's room for, for all sorts of schools of, of thought in order to get to better conclusions. But I think some people kind of look at it through that 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 lens and then the, the kind of the intersectionality um, piece, which Polly referenced sort of falls away somewhat. So I, I think there's a greater degree of sophistication than there was in, in most firms and and, 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 cre- and which is resulting in an increased focus and in um in, in social mobility but i agree with you both that there's a very much a um a focus on the entry point um i mean we've done a lot of work here around understanding the challenges that students face in entering and succeeding in the profession and which has helped us to sort of break down some of the practical barriers and broaden access so so even things like you know on vacation schemes things as silly as paying people in advance rather than in arrear right or yeah, or or feeding people when they are on your premises right if you have the benefit of a canteen and you feed everyone so you don't create a stigma around the mm. you know around the charge card or, or or some sort of card which which um only your 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 um your candidates from social uh, lower socioeconomic backgrounds um have you know there's, there's things around that but there are practical things such as you know i'm really infused about what's happening around apprenticeships um, and that route to qualification, because that addresses or starts to address in its early days, um, starts to address some of the, the, particularly some of the financial barriers that um, were certainly an influence when I was a lot younger and looking at um, my options or trying to figure out what my options were. Um, particularly from, again, from a practical perspective, was greater is, well, can I live at home or not? Or can I do, um, you know, can I can I effectively afford to, Think this money into accommodation or or fees in the same in, or university fees in the same way. So I think that's a really good innovation at the um, at the at the at the entry point. I think what we're we're doing a lot around ensuring that we're asking our people on a semi-regular basis in our employee engagement survey to about how they feel about um, uh, how they feel about working here and and, and questions that are more focused on. Um, socioeconomic diversity um we're also sort of embedding some of these principles some of the findings in um in our sort of esg strategy under the you know the s piece of esg so again if you can catch a bit of a wind if clients are talking about esg and you can you can kind of catch the the the, the catch the prevailing wind there is around this debate then i think that's going to give some airtime and some better progress around around social mobility but yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right that that entry point and lots of firms are having problems, I would say, lots of firms are having problems in terms of getting candidates in. And the work that I do as the director of the prime commitment, which I think is the, the sort of leading, um, uh, the, the kind of the thought leader in terms of access to opportunities at that, that sort of early intervention for 14 plus um, le- uh, level and promoting those work experience opportunities. The feedback I get from firms that they're still struggling to connect with educational establishments. Again, I won't get political on this, but you know we, we see what's happening at the moment around the um, around teacher strikes and levels of motivation of teachers and whatnot. And, and frankly, you know what they're being asked to do and are they being properly rewarded rewarded for it? Which I think is feeding into um, some of the things that um, 
or it can't it can't fail to have an influence on on their ability to or their resource to to do some of the the kind of the not necessarily even ex extracurricular but prompting and signposting um students to some of the opportunities that might exist so outreach continues to be an issue for for law firms and and again, if anyone's listening, I think I definitely direct you to Prime in terms of how some practical things you can do around that by partnering up um, with, with people in the community that can provide that connection to, to schools. But the, the, the progression piece is, is going to be critical um, going forward. And again, I, I always use the phrase small moments and that, that to my mind, culture is, is often set by leaders to an extent. Um, leaders will leaders will set out a, a sort of a message that we're really focused on social mobility, um, and these are the things we are we are doing to ensure that um, we're seeking a, a more um, socially mobile um, uh, workforce. And there's data and the like which seeks to record some of this, and that's great. But so much of culture is small moments. So much of culture is if you're, you're being asked, oh well, you know, where's that accent from, or you know, you go in a room and people sort of frown when you start to talk, right? You know, that if, if you, I think what people don't necessarily realize is that if you're on the other end of that, um, it's, it's almost, it's very attritional. It's very, you know, you can have 10 of those instances in one day. They may only see one, but you have 10 in a day. And that, you know, people talk about microaggressions, right? That, that piece is really difficult, right? Because if you're a young person, you go, well, notwithstanding what leadership's saying, my experience on the ground and my interactions are really, really different. So it just makes it a much more difficult environment in which to operate and to to really progress if you feel that if you feel if you feel that, you know, the wind's blowing in your face rather than an environment which, which is enabling you to, to progress. So yeah, I think the the that early stage and if we're talking about lawyers, um I see some a lot of data and some data coming out of um, rare in particular around race and ethnicity, but also with the with the land street spatial mobility. That 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 sort of one to five year, or probably two to five year PQE piece where we see attrition generally, but we see accelerated attrition for groups from lower socioeconomic backgrounds is something that we really need to to address um, and and we really need to unpick the reasons. Um, why and some of those reasons have been indicated to us, and some of them are around some of them are around culture. Um, so and that's the bit that's difficult: getting people to change their day-to-day behaviours. You know, change change the kind of conversations maybe that they have to become much more inclusive. Um, super difficult. Polly, Prisca, David, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience today. We really, really appreciate it.